We're going to be in Luke chapter 4 today, if you find that in your Bible, the Gospel of Luke, the fourth chapter. We're going to read just a few verses today. I, I'll just tell you today that um, this, this um, message today, this emphasis today, really came out of some studying that I was doing this week, preparing for a funeral service um, that I conducted for a family that I didn't know, really, and, um, but um, I quoted several times during the service, you know, this passage, this familiar passage where Jesus declares his purpose, and in, in that purpose, he came to heal the brokenhearted, and as I stood before a room full of brokenhearted people, I was glad to tell them that there is a Savior who heals the brokenhearted. And we're going to look at this passage together. If you're able to stand, please stand with us for the reading of the Word of God. Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 16. The Bible says, And he came to Nazareth, Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Esaias, or Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he, Jesus, found the place where it was written. And this is written in our book Bibles in the 61st chapter of Isaiah. But he found that particular place in verse 18 and he read. Imagine Jesus reading this in a synagogue on the Sabbath day. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. You can almost feel the drama, the tension. Uh, in that moment, they're all fa fastened on him. In verse 21, he said this, and he began to say, or he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. It's interesting, isn't it? In other words, what we just read about is happening right now before your eyes. Let's pray, all right? Father, we thank you for your word today, and we just pray that you would bless as we get into the scripture together and learn more about you and your will for us. Lord, we can't praise you enough, Father, for your word. We can't praise you enough for the word made flesh, the living word, and we thank you today that we can come together and worship you and lift up our voices with praise to the Almighty, our portion, 
And that, Lord, we can study together. We pray you'd bless our time in your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. This really is, to me, a very significant portion of Scripture in many ways, but especially in the chronology of Jesus' ministry. It represents this transition, really, from Jesus being a, an adult man, about 30 years old, the Bible says, and uh, beginning his, he'd, he'd already begun to visit and teach in synagogues around Galilee. We see that in the Scripture. And I want to touch on several things, really, about this passage, but I really want to focus on this text that we read today in verses 18 and 19, where, to me, it's, Lord, it's like he's declaring his purpose. It's like a mission statement that Jesus, this is why I'm here, this is who I am. And so the first thing he, we, we just want to consider is how he just expressed this, his mission expressed. Now, if you have your Bible there in Luke chapter 4, uh, just go back a little bit into Luke chapter 3, in verse 23, and it tells us there that Jesus himself began be, to be about 30 years of age, and it gives his genealogy. And uh, he had recently been baptized by John the Baptist. If you look up a couple of verses before that, in verse 21, it says, uh, Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was open. So this sort of was like uh, this transition from being a holy uh, the Son of God revealing Himself to mankind, and He's going back to Nazareth where He grew up. Everybody knew Him. They didn't know Him as the Messiah. They knew Him as the Son. They would say the Son of Joseph and Mary. But um, it, this, and then in chapter four we have this period of forty days of temptation. But as we read uh, early, uh, just a moment ago, He came back to Galilee in verses fourteen and fifteen. It says in verse fourteen. Of chapter 4, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him throughout all the region. He was famous around that region. Verse 15, he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. They were just amazed at Jesus. But then he goes to his hometown, and that's the passage we're reading about today in verses 16 and following. He returned to Galilee, and he's teaching in the synagogue. And on the Sabbath day, they handed him, it was, it was customary if there was a guest that was not from that region, that someone was a rabbi or someone else uh, that was noted, they would give them the opportunity to read scripture. They gave that opportunity to Jesus. And he read this passage from Isaiah 61, then closed the book and sat down. And it's really a, a, an amazing st a statement he makes in verse 25, 21, excuse me, where he says, this day... Is this scripture fulfilled in your ears? This is happening today. Now, that is really an amazing revelation on several levels. Uh, first of all, the Jewish community, those people who were there, should know that that passage in Isaiah 61 was not just speaking about anybody being anointed, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, but it was a, it was a messianic prophecy. It was a prophecy about Jesus himself. And so he wasn't just reading something and saying this is happening, he was basically identifying him as the Messiah. And uh, that in itself would be a very controversial statement for them to hear him make. And in addition to that, if in the verses that follow, and I'm not going to take the time to read them in verses 21 and down, Jesus began to talk about how uh, historically God had been good to the Gentiles. 
You know, he said in those verses that, you know, it was the prophet Elijah who, who helped this uh, widow, a Gentile widow. And he talked about Elisha who healed this uh, Gentile leper. And so if you know anything about Jewish culture, they were not really favorable to God being favorable to Gentiles. And so, so Jesus identifies himself as the Messiah. And then he begins to remind this Jewish congregation in a synagogue that God has been historically good to the Gentiles as well as to the Jewish community. And that really caused the, the sentiment to turn against Jesus. Look down further in the chapter in verse 28. There in chapter 4 in verse 28 it says, And all they in the synagogue when they heard these things were filled with wrath. Now it says all they were filled with wrath. Not just a little bit aggravated, but angry. As a matter of fact, verse 29 says, They rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him unto the brow of the hill whereon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. That's how fast they turned on Jesus. Now they're talking about destroying him, throwing him off the cliff. Verse 20 says, But he passing through the midst of them went his way. So this is a great chapter, a great passage. We can't look into all these things, obviously, in detail. But I want to focus about the time we have here in verses 18 and 19 primarily, where Jesus really gives us the, the focus of his ministry that he's really about to launch and uh, uses this passage from Isaiah chapter 61 to declare it. He, you know, he read this passage and basically said, this is what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be doing what I do in the power of the Spirit of God, and I'm going to be preaching the gospel to the poor, which is an interesting thing to say, really. We'll talk more about that in a moment. I'm going to be preaching deliverance to those who are captives. Now, the Jewish community knew what it was to be captive. They'd been captive to the Babylonians. They'd been captive to different people. They were now under the Roman rule. But he's talking about those that are spiritually in bondage. He would preach recovering of sight to the blind. He would set the bruised and the broken free and preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He said, this is exactly what I'm about to do. And so I would call this his mission expressed. This is what he came to do. And by the way, his mission hadn't changed. This is still what Jesus is about doing. And that is preaching the gospel to the poor, helping hurting people. And if you read the rest of the chapter, and we're just going to look at this briefly today, we not only see his mission expressed, but we see it experienced. You know, I might say something. I might say, you know, this is what I plan to do, and this is what I intend to do, and this is my vision. And it may not always come to pass exactly like I thought it would, but I'm telling you, if Jesus said he's going to do it, it's going to happen. And it did happen. Let's just read a little further there in Luke chapter 4 as we see the, a part of just a, a snapshot of what happens in the Gospels and the ministry of Jesus. I'm going to call this his ministry experience. Look in verse 31. And he came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, up on the northern part of the Sea of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. They were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. 
And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? You know, some people may not recognize Jesus for who he is, but the devil certainly knows who he is. And these evil spirits said, Art thou come to destroy us? I know who thou art, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and heard him not. They were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power he commandeth the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. And he arose out of the synagogue. He walked out of that synagogue, verse 38 says, and entered into Simon's house. And Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever, and they besought him for her. And he stood over her. Jesus stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and ministered unto them. And then it says in verse 40, when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with divers diseases brought them unto him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And devils also came out of many crying out and saying, Thou art Christ, the Son of God, and rebuking them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was Christ. And when it was day, and that's all in one day, not a bad day at the office, right? Goes into the synagogue, threatens to throw him off the cliff, begins immediately to help, goes to Capernaum and begins to help these people and minister to those people and then heals um, Simon's wife's mother, his, Simon's mother-in-law, Peter's mother-in-law. Then he just has this day of ministering to people in the evening, verse 40 and 41. And then the next day it says, when it was day, he departed and went into a desert place, and the people sought him and came unto him and stayed him that he should not depart from them. And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. And he preached in the synagogues of Galilee. That's, that's exactly what he said he was going to do. I'm going I'm to set the captives free. I'm going to preach the gospel to the poor. I'm going to heal those that are brokenhearted. He began to do that. And by the way, that's the record of the Gospels. That's what Jesus did. Uh, an interesting thing worth mentioning in verse, uh, the last part of that passage in verse uh, 43, it says, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also. In verse 44, he preached in the synagogues of Galilee. People don't always notice it, but Jesus' primary emphasis was always preaching. I mean, he healed people who had physical ailments, and he obviously counseled and ministered to people and performed miracles. But his main emphasis was preaching the gospel, the good news to the poor. The poor doesn't necessarily just mean those that are financially destitute. People that are emotionally poor. People that are spiritually poor. People that are morally bankrupt. That's who Jesus came to help. The lonely, the struggling, the hurting, the needy. Jesus heals the brokenhearted. Jesus is not looking for people who have it all together. People, Jesus is looking for people who know they need help. And these people were needing help. That's, he still does that. He sets the captives free. Those that are bound by sin. 
those that are bound by self and Satan. He gave people their sight, not just their physical sight, but he allowed them to see things as they really are. He opens the eyes of the blind. He delivers people that are broken and bruised and abused. And when you read about the Gospels, that's what you see about Jesus. The Gadarene demoniac. He made a special trip across the Sea of Galilee on the eastern, southeastern part of the Sea of Galilee to a, a place where he came from, Gadara. And there was a man possessed with thousands of devils, Mary Magdalene, the woman caught in adultery. This is what Jesus did. The man who was blind from his birth, lepers, the paralyzed man let down through the roof so that Jesus could see and help him. The woman who had spent everything she had on doctors and was none the better so that Jesus could just touch her or heal her when she just touched the hem of his garment. That's the ministry of Jesus. The uh, woman with five failed marriages who was living with a man that she wasn't married to, but Jesus healed her and forgave her. The woman bent over for 18 years with an affliction, and Jesus helped her. The, the woman who was walking along the casket with her, husband, with her son who had died, and she ra he raised that boy from the dead, that man from the dead. The blind man sitting on the roadside begging in a world of darkness, and Jesus said, bring him to me, come to me. That's the ministry of Jesus. That's what he came to do. Jesus didn't come just to, uh, for people who think that they just need a little religion. He came to people who are hurting and needed help. And it would be impossible for us to really fathom all the things that Jesus did. As a matter of fact, in the very last verse of the Gospel of John, John said if you were to write down everything he did during those few years, he said, and this is a quote, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books. That's his mission. His mission experienced. And all these stories, and there are many more stories, and there are many stories we don't even know about, but all these stories have one thing in common. All of them represent people who were desperately in need of help. They didn't, they didn't just kind of, sort of, maybe need, they needed help. They desperately needed help. And Jesus didn't, by the way, Jesus didn't help those people because he agreed with their lifestyle. He didn't help those people because he agreed with the decisions they were making. He helped those people because he cared about those people. And they were people in great need. They said about him in verse 22 there in our text, they wondered at his gracious words. They said another thing about that. And uh, verse 36, what a word is this. They were amazed at his words. They'd never heard anything like this before. Nobody, never seen anything like this before. Grown men with families and jobs were leaving their occupation and leave, selling out and leaving everything they had to follow this man because he was deserving of it. That's his mission experienced. It was unlike anything the world has ever seen. The truth is, it didn't just happen in the gospel era. It's still happening. Amen. That Jesus is changing lives. Setting captives free. Healing the brokenhearted. Delivering those that are enslaved by sin and self and Satan. 
in this room today, the majority of the people in this room could say, you know, I wasn't that maniac from Gadara, maybe a little crazy and from Anaconda, but (laughs) I wasn't a maniac from Gadara, and maybe I hadn't had the same problems, but he put my life back together. He changed my life. He changed the trajectory of my life. Multitudes of people all over the world could testify today to what he's done. They've known his compassion, his power to deliver. That doesn't mean that any of us are perfect. It just means we know what it is to have him change our life. He has literally changed our life. He changed our life, my wife and I. He brought hope into our hopeless world salvaged our broken, messed up life and gave us life. He gave us life. He gave us eternal life. He gave us abundant life. And I'm, I'm far from being everything that I should be, I know. But I'll tell you, I've never once thought about going back to that other life because it doesn't offer anything that this life offers. He healed many hurts in our life. You know, Jesus came to heal broken people. He came to help us with struggles. You know, this world is full of broken people. He came to help us. And He does heal us. Not just physical healing, but He heals the many hurts in our life. I was looking. I don't always look. I don't notice this often, really. I have a, I have a piece of pencil lead in that finger right there. And um, I've had it since I was a In school, a girl stabbed me with a pencil. And I still have some bitterness about that. We were in a classroom, and I don't know what provoked it, but I know it wasn't justified. (laughs) And I can still see it just like it was yesterday. But you know what? It doesn't hurt anymore. We all have hurts in our life, things that were very painful. But Jesus helps us deal with the hurts in our life. He may not completely take away the memory, but he takes away the pain associated. That's the way Jesus is. And you know what? We owe him everything. We owe him everything. He's, he not only is, forgave us of our sin, he's our, he's our master, our Lord, our comforter. He's everything to us. Now I want to say this before I move on to my last point. It could be that you're here today, or maybe you're watching this on live stream or wherever you might see it. And you may wonder, does anybody really care about me? I'm telling you, God cares about you. Jesus cares about you. You know, I'm reminded of that great testimony about the Lord. It says, casting all your cares upon Him because He cares about you. Not just some of your cares, not just... Most of your cares, casting all your cares, whatever it is that you're concerned about, whatever it is you're worried about, whatever problems you have, whatever difficulties you have, all of our hurts, all of our pains, all of our confusion, we can cast it all on Him. You know why? Because He cares for us. And it may be today that you have no personal experience with this wonderful, wonderful Redeemer. And I'm going to tell you today, Jesus Christ can help. No matter where we are in life, He can help. You may not know what it's like to be spiritually free. 
It's a thing that many people don't understand. They think, they really think we ought to have the freedom to go about and sin and do as we please. No, He sets us free and we have the freedom to live for Him. Isn't that a wonderful kind of freedom today? You may not have forgiveness. You may not know what it is to, to, to go to heaven, to think about heaven and think about the fact that I have this promise of heaven. I thought about that this week, of course, doing a funeral service with a lot of people that I didn't know. But I'm telling you, you, you can know you're going to see your loved one again if they're in heaven. This is a great promise we have. So the, the mission that Jesus said there in Luke chapter 4 when he said that he came to bind up the brokenhearted, he came to heal the brokenhearted, he came to set the captives free, that mission has been fulfilled and is being fulfilled and can be fulfilled in any person who will come to Jesus Christ. I said earlier that all these people had one thing in common, and that is that they all desperately needed help. And unfortunately, there are many today who are not poor in the Bible sense of the word. They don't really feel like they need God. They don't really feel like this. The word gospel means good news. They don't really see it as good news because they don't see themselves as being in the desperate place that they're in. You know, if you ask a person standing on the sidewalk what a life preserver is worth to them, they might say, well, not much. But you ask a drowning man, and it's worth everything he's got. And that's the way it is with a lot of people. They don't really see themselves as being desperately in need of a Savior. But the reality is every person is really a heartbeat away from eternity. And we don't know when that's going to come. And the, and, the, and the great thing is when we realize, you know, I just need God. I need a Savior. I need, I need the Lord in my life. I was thinking yesterday about Nicodemus. You know, Nicodemus was a devoutly religious man, leader of the Pharisees. And he knew some things about Jesus. He... He said to him, I know that you're sent from God. No man could do these miracles that you do if God was not with him. But you know what Jesus said to him, Nicodemus? If you're going to see the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. You've got to have a spiritual birth. And you know what, you know what he's trying to do? Help Nicodemus see that he, even though he was religious, even though he knew things about Jesus, he really needed what we all need. He needed to be born again. So we see in this passage today this mission that Jesus declared and expressed, experienced in the lives of people. Aren't you glad for that today? And if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, He cares about you. I really believe the sentiment in that song that says, when He was on the cross, I was on His mind. I believe that today. And if you're here today without Christ, the gospel, the good news is the same Jesus who walked about doing good, healing people, saving people, comforting people, that same Jesus wants to bring into your life that same comfort and peace and forgiveness. What a blessing to know today. So we think about his mission. His mission expressed here in Luke 4. His mission experienced by many. But then I want to finish up by thinking about a third aspect of this mission. I'm going to call this his mission extended. You see, not only was this his mission, he wanted this mission to be the mission of his people. 
the mission of his churches, the mission of those who followed him. Now, we don't have the same power to heal physical diseases like Jesus and the apostles did. The Bible never teaches that, and we know that even Paul himself expressed that. But we are to preach the gospel to every person in every nation. It is our privilege. It's our responsibility. It's every church's responsibility, every church member's responsibility. His mission should be our mission. I'm encouraged. I'm thrilled. I'm inspired when I read about and think about what Jesus has done for so many people. But there's so many other people who have no clue. They have no idea what Jesus could do. And more and more in our country, there are many people who don't even really know who Jesus is. So it's a wonderful thing to think about how Jesus changed so many lives in so many ways and so many places. And everybody's testimony may be just a little bit different, but this mission ought to continue through his people, through his churches. This is what Jesus is about. He's not about just making people religious. He's about helping hurting people. He's about saving those that are lost, about giving them the gospel, giving them the good news. You know, it was a great privilege of mine this week, as I mentioned about this funeral. I I didn't know a single person in this funeral, and there was a lot of people there. But I was able to tell them, give them the gospel. That's what they need. Obviously, we try to give them words of comfort for the loss of their loved one. This woman that passed was only 41. It was unexpected. But, you know, people need the gospel. Thankfully, she had a testimony of, of salvation. She, she had a, her, her kids said that she had been saved. I thank God for that comfort. And so we gave them the gospel. We went to the graveside. We gave them the gospel another time. And I got to ride with a person I'd never met from the funeral home, and he got the gospel coming home. You know what? And you know what? People don't know. People are religious. They don't know what it means. They don't know what Jesus did for them. And who are gonna, who's going to tell these? We're supposed to tell these people. You can't farm that out to someone else. We're all supposed to do that. This, this message of Jesus, this mission, is to be our mission. People haven't changed. People are still hurting. People are still spiritually blind. There are broken people everywhere. It's easy to see. Despondent people who need good news. They need something to help them. And again, if there's a good thing about hitting bottom, and, and personally I think and there was a time in my life if I wasn't at the bottom, I was so close to the bottom, I could touch it. But you know what? There was a good place to be. Because it made me start thinking about my life and thinking about my future and thinking about my family and what am I going to do. And I'm just saying, if a person is really down and out, they may be the best candidate for the gospel. People who are in bondage and people in our culture are in bondage. They need to be set free and Jesus can do that. We, listen, churches don't need a new mission. We just need to be dedicated to His mission. It's not about trying to win people through our entertainment. It's about giving people the gospel. We need to be dedicated to His mission. This mission that was expressed by Jesus himself. He said, right now, this is being fulfilled in your eyes. The the thing that has changed our life. I just want to challenge you with this today as a believer. Would you make this your mission? 
I know it's his mission. But would you make this your mission? You know, when we talk about missionaries that we know, people in our church that we know who are missionaries that we support, we want those people to be doing what they're doing, taking the gospel to people who need it, who desperately need it all over the world. And I'm glad our church can partner with them. Maybe you're not a part of that. Maybe you're not giving to missions. You ought to say, this is, what I'm, this is his mission. This is, matters more to Jesus. It matters more to Jesus than nice buildings and all those kinds. Jesus wants to help people. And you know what? You probably know someone who's hurting. Someone where, where you work, some family member. Someone who's spiritually blind. Someone who's been broken. Someone who's been devastated by the world and by sin. You know, if you read about this, think about this as you read this declaration of Jesus' mission. All these things really talk about what sin does to people. It, it puts them in bondage. It, it steals their dignity. I mean, that's what sin does to people. It breaks their heart. It disappoints them. It leaves them discouraged. It leaves them spiritually blind. They can't really see the things that are matter. And we know people that are like that. They're all around us. People may wonder, why do, you, why do you give your money to, you know, to send a man to South Africa or to send a man to South America or send a man to Europe or send a person to Latin America or whatever? You know why we do it? Because Jesus cares about those people. You and I may not care about them like we ought to, but we ought to care because he cares. He loves people. I think we can recognize this in our own lives. Sometimes we can get so wrapped up in our own world, wrapped up in our own pain, our own problems, that we forget about people that are really struggling. So I ask you this today. Are we, are we serving His mission in our life through personal evangelism, through serving in the church? Aren't you glad there's going to be Three congregations in nursing homes this afternoon who are going to have someone from our church come in and tell them that God loves them and God cares. Don't you, aren't you thankful for that? We ought to be thankful for that. That's what ministry looks like. That's what, that's what we ought to be doing. You know why? Because God cares about those people. We ought to get on board with that. You know, as we're still sort of in the uh, the stage of starting off another year, It'd be a good thing to say, you know, I'm going to get serious about this mission of Jesus. Helping hurting people. Do what I can. Get involved. Make it, make it personal for you. I was teaching this morning. The carpenters and I were going through uh, the discovery class we do for people who come to our church that are um, just want to know more about our ministry but we're just talking about how God has gifted every person in the church to serve him. Every person. And what would it be like if every person in every one of the Lord's churches, if every person was seriously seeking God, Lord, what do you want to do through me? How can you use me? And you can remember a time like this. I certainly remember a time like this when I was... My wife and I started going to church and we weren't saved, weren't living for the Lord and God worked in our life. And I, I, never went, I never thought about me helping anybody. I needed help. I was the guy that needed the life preserver. 
But it wasn't long until I started thinking, you know, I could do some things to help people. I could talk to people. I could witness to people. I, could, I got involved in bus ministry, started helping people. Changed my life. What if every member of every church was actively involved in ministry saying, Lord, how can I take this mission of yours? It's your mission. How can I take this mission? Personalize it and get involved in helping people. You know what? I think that would please the Lord. I believe that's God's will. So we see his mission expressed. He said, this is why I'm here. We see his mission experienced in the gospels, changing lives. And even today, it's changing lives. But we ought to also extend his ministry through us. How could the Lord use me? And I know many people in this room, in other parts of the building today even, are engaged, fully engaged in ministry, personally serving the Lord. But if you're not, you ought to say, what can I do, Lord? How could you use me to make a difference? And there's ways to reach them. Let's bow our heads together for prayer. While our heads bowed today and our eyes closed, would you just think for a moment, first of all, please listen carefully. If you don't know the Lord, if you don't know what it is to be saved, if you can't look back at a time in your life and say, this is when it happened. You may not know the exact date on the calendar, but you remember that you turned to Jesus Christ with faith and repentance and trusted Him as your Savior. You can't look back at a time and say, I, I know it happened. I know I've been born again. Then today God loves you and He wants to save you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to become a part of your life. And if God's working in your heart today and that's something that you say, I need help with this. I want to do this. I'm, I need the Lord. You ought to come in just a moment. I'll be standing here at the front of the auditorium. You could come and I, someone could pray with you and talk with you and read some scripture to you. Help you understand how you can personally receive Christ. You ought to come. I hope you will. Young person or adult, I hope you will. But if you're here today and you are saved, you say, Preacher, I know I'm saved. Jesus is a part of my life. I've trusted Him as my Savior. I know I'm going to heaven. Could you honestly today say, Lord, what do you want me to do? How could you use me to take this mission that you demonstrated, that you gave to your disciples, your churches, and now you want me to take it. This would be a great time, if you've never done it before, to get involved in serving the Lord with your life. Our Father, as we pray today, we thank you for this very simple passage of Scripture that really helps us in a capsule really see what you came to do. Lord Jesus, we marvel at your ministry in the Gospels, teaching, preaching, setting captives free, delivering people from bondage. We thank you for what you've done in our lives. God, help us to do our part to take the Gospel forward. Lord, I pray today that the Spirit of God would just help us to 
really personalize this important concept of making your mission statement a part of our life purpose.